Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I am so grateful you have joined us on the show. We have a special guest named Rex Harson on the show today. Rex Harson is the producer of a documentary called Beating Guns, Beating Guns, which uh, looks at uh, various Christian leaders and how they think through things like gun violence, gun ownership, or even just the gun culture in American Christianity. The documentary, uh, Beating Guns, in some way kind of corresponds to the book written by Shane Claiborne, also called Beating Guns. And you'll see Shane uh, quite a bit in the documentary. I mean, they're two different ventures, really, the book and the documentary, but they decided to name it the same thing to kind of show some kind of relationship. Anyway, Rex is a super cool dude. We talked about gun violence for a while. We talked about Christian nonviolence, talked about his journey, but then got into kind of a Christian view of film. And we started talking about different films and how Christians should evaluate the goodness or morality or persuasiveness or virtue of films based on more than just whether they contain swearing or, you know, uh, drug dealing scenes or witchcraft or whatever, but look for more Christian themes that are woven throughout various films. So we, we didn't plan that out. We just kind of got into it and started talking about a Christian view of film. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I very much enjoyed interviewing and chatting with Rex Harson. So welcome to the show for the first time ever, Mr. Rex Harson. Okay, we are live. Uh, I am here with uh, Rex Harson. He is the producer of the documentary uh, Beating Guns. Rex, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So why don't we start, just give a quick background to who you are, because most, I mean, most people probably can recognize your, your name, I don't think. Uh, so give a background to who you are, and then I really want to dive into this documentary, because I mean, it's going to no doubt uh, caused some, I think, really good discussions, interesting discussions, and maybe some uh, pushback and some other waves in the other dis- in the other other directions. So let's get to know you first before we dive in. Okay, well, probably um, in regards to this, the most important thing to know about me is that I live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. I live, I am surrounded by Bibles and guns. I have grown up this way, spent a little bit of time in LA going to film school, but I have lived here most of my life, and um, I don't really have any ill will towards where I live, but I have had my eyes opened to um, certain things that put me at odds with the people around me. Your social context um, plays into why you do what you do, it sounds like. Absolutely, absolutely. Because when I started to really grab on to the nonviolent peacemaking teachings of Jesus, then I had to come to terms with all of this other stuff that I had grown up with in in Mm. the church that had been taught to me. And I had to figure, and I had to either find ways to justify it Mm. or say, ah, this isn't, this isn't right and go in another direction. So that's probably the, that's core to who I am. Tell us, tell us your journey yeah, uh, into more of a nonviolent, and we haven't even, I don't even know exactly where you would stand on that. I, I imagine you're an advocate on some level. Uh, um, but yeah, tell us a journey, how you kind of became more in tune with a more nonviolent vision of the New Testament. And, and also, how did that, what did that do to your kind of position, your social position in the evangelical context that you live in? Yeah, 
Well, I, I put a lot of that blame on Greg Boyd. And I, <laughs> we know, all do. Like, yeah, I know. It's like I don't. Um, you know, I, I've always, I've always had a, I've always taken Jesus very seriously, but I did not start to take his nonviolent teachings and his example of his life seriously until my eyes were open to just how much of a how important that was and how vital that was in his life and what he was teaching us. So like I said, I mean, I grew up with, you know, my heroes were, you know, Batman and, you know, like Jack Bauer and John McClane or whoever, you know, I mean, I grew up with guns. I grew up, you know, running around in my yard, shooting guns and thinking that the best way to be a good person is to overcome evil by destroying it. And at some point, my that collided with my vision of who Jesus of who Jesus was. So I started to, as that started to sort of come alive within me, around that time is where I found sort of, you know, Greg Boyd's teachings and, and Bruxy and some of these guys who are very, very um, hard hitters on on nonviolence. And, you know, I've, it's really, you know, it's really shaken me and it's really caused me to figure out what I actually believe. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't say that I'm a complete pacifist. Yeah. Um, if somebody's hurting someone out on the street or hurting someone in my family, and if I have to physically get involved to defend an innocent person, I will do that. I would say that I'm more consistently pro-life. Okay. I believe in not taking life um, unless it is absolutely completely a necessity in order to defend innocent life. And I don't even know if I would do it to um, protect my own life. Okay. I, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, but I know, I, I think the thing is what I've really accepted is that we have to take that seriously. Mm. And I think when you have preachers telling people to arm yourself when you're coming to church and be sure to be packing the heat, well, you're not really taking the call to, to be pro-life and to be um, defenders of all life, including the lives of those who would attack us very seriously. If your first response is to pull out a gun and blow them away, you don't look a lot like Jesus. You might look like Dirty Harry, but you don't look like Jesus. (laughs) Dirty Harry, how old are you? You're showing your age there. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I just turned 35 like two or three days ago. But you still know about Dirty Harry. I can't make that reference anymore and people don't. Yeah, I understand what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> well, I like old movies too. Oh man, so, yeah. yeah. So, so let's. So you uh, are coming out. Let's see. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be released. Probably very close to when the documentary is released. So April 20th, is it? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. April 20th. Give, give us an overview of that documentary. How'd you get into it? What was it like filming it? Uh, what were some of the highs and lows? And what do you hope that you'll accomplish by releasing this documentary? Well. I didn't really want to make a documentary about guns. Um, you know, it was never really like a key issue for me until I started to look at it. I, I decided to make the documentary because Shane was writing the book and Shane and I had become friends. Okay. And it was like, well, here's an opportunity for us to work on something together to help uh, provide each other with resources that can, you know, help sort of get this message out that I think I knew it needed to be out, but I just, I wasn't aware of how important guns were in people's lives. So, um, you know, Shane started writing the book and I started making the documentary and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, literally no idea. I've never made a documentary before. Real quick. It's a Shane Claiborne and he's Shane Claiborne. Is is the name of his book beating guns as well? Yeah. 
Okay, so same title. Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah. his is the book beating guns. Mine is the film beating guns. But they're very separate things. Okay. I actually purposefully did not read the book before. Like he sent me a manuscript, and I didn't read it because I didn't want I didn't want it to just be like a carbon copy. Right. You know. So you know he's going in chapter to chapter dealing with a lot of issues with you know with actual dealing with guns. Yeah. And what I wanted to do is take a little bit of a different approach, and get to something get to the issues behind the gun the gun violence so um you know we have interviews with people like john perkins and um uh um gosh uh brian mclaren you know and all these guys and you know i let them talk about guns but it's really more about like we just have a conversation on what it means to try to live out the nonviolent ethics of jesus mm-hmm. and um so because i didn't you know, I don't, I don't come a, a, across in the film saying this is what our new gun laws need to be. Right. Because frankly, like that's for other people in another discussion. My, the central question for this documentary was as a Jesus follower, what is my response to either owning guns or living in a country that is saturated with gun violence? Yeah. So, you know, um, I just, I mean, this sounds kind of, I just, it was really just a walk of faith. I would just, you know, I would reach out to people. And if they said yes, I was like, well, I'm going to go here and do this and interview this person. And I'm just going to trust that they're going to give me something. And when I got into the editing room and I had everything together, it just started falling into place. You know, I would get, I would, I didn't even have an idea of how I was going to edit it. I just started, you know, and when I would get done with one scene, it would just lead to the next scene and it would lead to the next scene. And there really wasn't a lot of changing that around. It just sort of flowed. You know, and and you'll see that in the film, like one thing will connect to the next scene and none of that was planned at all. I mean, it was literally like, and actually a year into making the film, I was like, I, I don't even know if I have a film. Like, I I mean, I I really started to freak out. I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can make a film with what I have. And then we had one day that just tied it all together. One day I went to Philadelphia and I spent the whole day with Shane and we did this, uh, we did this event. Um, sorry, hang on a second. We, we did this event, um, and it just sort of tied everything together and it brought it where there was like a narrative, mm-hmm. uh, flow to the film, you know, yeah. never having made a documentary. I'm like, Oh, you just interview a bunch of people. And I'm like, wait, I don't have a story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no story to this film. So I went and filmed with Shane. We had our story, placed the interviews on top of it with some interesting little things and it just worked. So Shane helped with the kind of narrative, like form, like with some of the editing and post-production stuff. Oh no, Shane. No, no, no. He didn't have anything to do with that. (laughs) He saw, he saw the final cut when I was done with it. Okay. okay. No, no. So, so Shane and Mike, they did this one day event where in Philadelphia, they, um, they went up and they, uh, they beat a gun into a plowshare and they delivered it to their Senator asking him to vote on a bill that would, Uh, ban assault rifles so that whole event so we wake up i think i got to shane's house at like two in the morning or something we got up at like 5 30 in the morning and we started filming like in the film you see shane making coffee and going out and feeding his chickens you know (laughs) and then it goes until the very end where um he's arrested like that's how the film ends is him being arrested but so that's the narrative it's the sort of the narrative of the film is follows that one day and all the things that go on in that day and it's a super interesting day it's tons of good stuff but then on top of that we have all these interviews so that's where john perkins and greg boyd and uh bruxy and all these guys kind of come in um covering different aspects yeah um 
I mean, it's, it's, it's just, but it is crazy how it all came together. Like on that day, there was the reading happened to be about uh, Dirk Willems, the uh, Anabaptist who, uh, oh. do you know, do you know that story? No, uh, I don't think so. So he's this Anabaptist guy and he, he escapes from jail and he's running across a frozen lake. And as he's running, the, the jailer pursuing him falls through the ice. Well, Dirk Willems goes back and pulls him out of the ice and saves his life. The jailer takes him to, to jail and then they end up executing him. <laughs> so, oh so, so that was the, that was the prayer reading the morning that I was there. Right. Well, one year ago, I'm, I'm with Bruxy in Minneapolis and, you know, he has this full, full on interview about Anabaptists and the move for, you know, peaceful nonviolence. So it was like, it all just connected hmm. and I didn't plan it. It just connected. So right after they tell that story in the film, we go into Bruxy talking about it. So it's just, wow. it's just crazy. It was a lot of things like that. Did, uh, you said out. you're in Minneapolis. Did you, is Greg in the film as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's this section with Greg and um, a, a guy named Brian Fisher who lives in my hometown. I mean, he works literally a stone's throw away from where I went to church at American family radio. Hmm. And um, one, they, they have different things that they do, but like one of the things that I have Brian and, and Greg do is they each interpret Luke 23, mm. you know, the, the, uh, bias award thing. Luke 22. And it's just Luke 22. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So it's got these two guys and one of them's like a conservative, like super conservative. And then, you know, Greg, he's not really liberal, but he's very nonviolent and they're both interpreting this one passage and I'm intercutting them. <laughs> so one of them goes over that verse and the other goes over that verse and they're just going back and forth and it's ended up, it's most people's favorite thing in the film. Yeah, because it's so interesting to see these two people interpret this completely different. <laughs> and um, but uh, so yeah, that that's one of the things that Greg does in the film. And um, yeah, it's super cool. I did plan that out though. I was like, I want both of these guys to do this. That's so. fascinating. <laughs> Where, how do you um, if you and I we talked offline uh, about this, but I mean, if somebody if 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 a church wants to have this conversation and they got a lot of kind of pro gun people in the church and maybe a few that aren't or whatever. I mean, if what kind of person would watch this and be helpfully challenged, like, Oh man, I got to think about that. And what kind of person would be just totally ticked off even more and even more pro gun after watching this. Cause they're so angry at, you know, like what, what's the, what's the narrative, the underlying kind of narrative goal, you know, that you're trying to accomplish with this film. So my, my goal with the film is to challenge Christians on what it means to um, carry guns or be around guns and what is our response to that by looking at Jesus. So I think anybody who takes Jesus's teaching seriously will benefit from the film. Okay. They may have the, the people who like their guns and like to target shoot. I mean, they're just going to have to bear with some stuff that's going to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah. there, there's just some stuff and, and it's meant to be that way. If it's like, if I'm not going to challenge people, then what's the point in making right. this film? So I think there's the 3%, three to 5% that are just absolutely going to turn it off as soon as they see um, Shane put on the, you know, the t-shirt that says like, ban assault rifles you know? <laughs> i mean they're 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 already out yeah. you know i mean i don't want them to be but you know they're, yeah. they're already out i think people who like their guns and but but can recognize there is a problem in america right. like we have more guns than we do people that's insane yeah. 
And I feel like most people who have common sense can look at that and say that's, you know, yeah. that is insane. So I think they will, they'll at least get through the film. They're not going to agree with everything. You know, I let my dad watch the film and, you know, he's conservative, Republican, you know, owns guns and all that stuff. And, you know, he's like, I don't agree with everything, but I really enjoyed the film and okay. I really liked it. And I've had that with a lot of gun owners. They okay. say that gun owners who are Christians, they enjoy the film because it makes them think. Yeah. But you just got to be willing to get uncomfortable for at least sure. a few parts of the film. Good, yeah. good. Yeah, I think for me, I like to distinguish, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking out loud here, between like an ide- a gun ideology or a worldview that has guns and the gun culture, if you will, you know, intertwined with it. Um, or even the political thing like, don't you dare take away my guns or it's, you know, it's the worst thing in the world that the government did. What if, what if the, so, I mean, and just most of my audience knows, but I mean, I, I, I am an absolute, I don't like to term pacifist, but I believe in absolute nonviolence. Mm-hmm. So I would go further than you would even on that theologically. I also own about six guns. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yet if somebody broke in my home, it would be physically impossible for me to use the gun to defend my family. And I don't, cause I don't agree that that's even something I should consider. Um, I even, yeah. Uh, so I, I use, we, I, I'm not a good hunter and I hardly ever go, but I do hunt periodically. I got a hunting dog and, and I went with my son bird hunting last year, you know, and, and, uh, uh, we do all kinds of, there's zero risk that my kids would ever, cause I mean, the bullets are in one area of the home and they don't even know what that is. And the, the clip and the the attic and the, you know, it's like, it's not even, it's categorically my guns are not for self-defense or anything. Um, but at the same time, I recognize that, I don't think a gun is a neutral cultural artifact. It's really fascinating what... Oh, so I, I, I actually own one handgun. And most people are like, okay, if you have a shotgun, okay, that's for hunting or whatever. But handguns are by definition for killing people. And I'm like, well, actually, I bought a handgun a couple of years ago because we do a lot of hiking up in the mountains here. And 20 mm-hmm. years ago, they released all these massive, huge wolves in the mountains and what the, the the difference between a wolf and a bear and a whatever is like wolves aren't scared of people they'll track you but mm, bears are actually yeah. they'll run from you unless you're between a bear and a cub like it's rare that a bear a grizzly might be a little more of a threat but um but wolves will just sit there and look at you and, and they'll like walk with you and then they'll come at you and you're done like they're they can be really dangerous so i'm like man i hike with right. my kids my wife is like, I don't know, should we have some, something to fall back on? Even if you shoot it in the air and scare the wolf, whatever. So I actually hike when we go on long backwoods hikes with the handgun. But I'll yeah. never forget going to the store and buying the handgun. And just the psychology of the power that you possess. I remember driving home, and it's just I felt something almost. And I don't want to overly spiritualize it. But the, all that to say, to, to think that a gun is simply a neutral artifact an inanimate object which it is but to think it doesn't do anything to your persona your self-perception your worldview i think is really naive um really naive so i don't know i I, some people see me as a walking contradiction and that's fine but i I, um i don't um and for me there's a difference between like and i would love to hear your thoughts on this because it sounds like your your documentary is doing both kind of some political conversations and also some theological conversations to me, I do try to separate kind of the Christian ethic of nonviolence and even how Christians should think about guns and the gun culture versus 
political laws and gun control and all that, I think the gun control debate can be pretty complex while the Christian ethic is much more simple to my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, even if you could show sociologically that more guns equals less crime, like the uh, John, um, John Lott's argument, or several people make that argument that if you take away all the guns, then you'll actually have more crime. You know, I, and I don't, I don't buy that, but even if it's, even if it was true to me, it wouldn't change the theological, you know, it's to me though, I, I like to keep those kind of worlds separate. So anyway, yeah. Let, uh, so that's a long kind of, me rambling, but in terms of the political debates about gun control and how to reduce gun violence versus the Christian ethic, does your documentary kind of interweave those or do both? Or how would you articulate that? Yeah, it, it focuses way more on the theological okay. side of it, which is just more interesting to me. Um, I mean, I'm so, I, I guess, so sick of politics, period. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, and, and, and I, I'm, you know, we do have a heart problem and we have a gun problem in America. Yeah. But I'm more interested in diagnosing and working with the heart problem. Good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think that if we can get, you know, if I can and we can get people to take seriously the teachings of Jesus, not just about like, you know, even going beyond nonviolence. Well, where does the nonviolence come from? What well, what motivates that? Well, it's the fact that you are we are called to love, like deeply sincerely love everybody yeah and you can't deeply and sincerely love somebody if you're just like oh if they mess with me i'm gonna blow them away (laughs) you know i mean like like if that's your go-to you don't love them you know you would never do that with your child you would never do that with your spouse you would never do that with your family so like what about that guy that's gonna pull the gun on you you know don't you want to at least try to talk him down instead of just immediately reaching for your gun and probably getting yourself killed in the process right you know like as i was making this film um a friend of mine got in a shootout with another guy and they killed each other are you serious (laughs) i'm dead serious wait wait like a old west shootout wait whoa 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 we are this is 2019 right (laughs) So yeah, I, I know, right? It's crazy. And he a was shootout, there. like not like, like they got in an argument or something and said, "Take this outside." And I, well, I mean, I don't think it was like a duel, you know. <laughs> and they haven't really released I, the details. I hate that I'm laughing. I'm just, I'm, I'm, oh, I know, but it's it's so bizarre because the thing is, like, if they hadn't had guns, it probably would have been a fist fight, right? You know, it probably would have been a fist fight. But it was, I mean, I don't know the details, but it was over a woman and. Um, you know, they got into it at the guy's house and they both were packing. So, you know, and then, and then, you know, we went to sort of like a memorial service for him and, you know, his two, I think their twin daughters were there, you know, but it was these two little girls. And it's like the, like the, um, effects of gun violence are they I mean, it's just ripple effects, you know? So, you know, these girls, you know, I mean, their dad's gone because these two guys were packing. So it's like, you're not just trying to like, you know, it it comes down to all this like rights and all this kind of stuff or whatever, but it's like, we're talking about real lives. You know, I mean, the, um, the rate, you know, veterans, we lose more veterans to suicide than we do on the battlefield. And it's because the trauma of gun violence, the trauma of violence of being around that it just, it affects you. And, you know, you were talking about something about like the way it's not a neutral tool. 
you know yeah. that that's it drives me insane when really, people try yeah, to say yeah. like when it's just a tool it's just a tool well yeah it's a tool with a purpose it's a tool that is designed to blow the end you know blow the back out of somebody yeah, you know what yeah, i mean like yeah, yeah. and when and when you carry around a tool when you think about that all the time it affects your thinking it yeah. can't not affect yeah. your thinking oh i feel and that you, as somebody who is committed to nonviolence, i i felt that this sense yeah. of power like oh if somebody pulled me over or like flipped me off and while i'm driving just that it deep down sense of i have power in my possession don't you dare cut me off on the road right. As somebody who's radically committed to the opposite, I just right. felt that tugging at me because because we and it's not just a gun; it's the gun in relation to a whole American history of a gun culture, profound mm. militarism. Like there's all these themes out there that are interwoven together that we swim in every single day, and you can't unless you are literally Amish. Like you can't escape the profound power of all those narratives that are connected psychologically, socially, historically to guns it's 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 a right. it's a web it's a web of uh, uh, of psychological power that you just can't separate yeah and the and the trauma of the um aggressor right. you know yeah. i mean you know we we talk a lot about the trauma of the people who you know are the victims but it causes trauma to people who um you know do the killing sure i was talking to uh my, my cousin over the weekend and he he just had a conversation with somebody at his church and the guy had killed 57 people in, in combat, wow. you know? And, you know, that Sunday morning, he had a gun in his mouth because the trauma of killing 57 people yeah. affects you. Unless you're a complete sociopath, it's gonna affect you. Yeah. So it's not, it is about defending victims, but it's about defending, you know, p the aggressors as well. I mean, I look at people and I'm just, yeah, you know, most people don't, understand you know they think of it like dirty harry mm -hmm. like i'm gonna blow them away and then i'm gonna go home and like have a drink but it's like you don't under you're gonna live with that for the rest of your life that that is that is so an absolute lie yes the, you're, you're exactly right and how it, this is interesting because you're a filmographer i mean is that the right word filmographer videographer what's your uh <laughs> filmmaker videographer i think you mixed it too okay. i mean as a filmmaker <laughs> you can appreciate the power of how most, I'm not going to say all, but a large percentage of action films, whatever, would not um, expose the very reality of how damaging the, 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 the righteous defender, the good person with the gun is actually harmed even when they commit a, I'm using quotation marks here, you know, a righteous killing or whatever. Um, right. and, and films have overwhelmingly like not, given that impression. So we think, we actually think, you know, the good guy with the gun or somebody breaks in my house, I'm going to pull, you know, yeah, the dirty Harry or clean, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to just yeah. pull his head off. And, and to think that you would actually be able to pull that trigger, or even if he did, even if he was a bad guy who was really trying to kill you, that you would be not affected by that. You just simply be victorious. That that is simply a psychological myth. It just doesn't, it's just not true. And it's been solidified by I mean, piles and piles and piles, uh, piles of film that have mm -hmm. solidified that. Would you agree with that, that the film aspect? Absolutely. I mean, if you, it's really, we keep bringing up Dirty Harry, but if you look at Clint Eastwood, <laughs> the later years of his career, so his movie Unforgiven, which yeah. is the last Western he made, it's a great film. Yeah. It is an anti-violence film. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch it and he made it with that purpose. And really? I think he was like, I think he was feeling guilty. 
because he like made all these films for all these years. He made a lot of money making films about people who, you know, this guy who um, it's glorifying violence and he made Unforgiven as sort of a rebuke of all those because wow. it shows him, you know, and like the effects of violence on him and on the people around him. And it's, it's a really brilliant film. And there's another one. Um, if you ever watch the show 24, yeah. I, lo- I love this show. Yeah, me too. And one of the reasons I love the show is because they specifically show yeah. you what Jack Bauer, how it affects him. You know, one of their seasons ends, it's season three, it ends with him broken down in his car, like weeping. And you're like, where did this come from? This is totally shattering the American yeah. myth of the guy, the good guy with a gun. You know, it's like he's just in shambles, Yeah. you know, because of the things he has to do yeah. in this violent world. I, you know? so it's, I'm so glad you said that because I'm not a, at all a film critic, whatever. I got the exact same theme, even though the, the, the show is very violent. If you look at the moral arc, the trajectory of all the seasons, it doesn't, it contains violence and sometimes shows violence in service of righteousness. But the overarching moral arc is how, even when you're doing, again, quotation marks, good violence, whatever, it wrecks your humanity. It eats away at your humanity to the point to when even, I think it's been a while, but don't the later seasons kind of depict him as kind of like, you're almost like you're not attracted to the way he's torturing people anymore. You're kind of like, ah, like you can, it's the way it's portrayed is kind of like, this is not compelling at all. Yeah. Like he's turned into kind of a, a monster, not monster, but I mean, he's like, oh, this is a really ambiguous character now. And almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't leave you with like, you know, this sort of glorified hero of him. I mean, it, yeah. it really, and I just wish people understood that. Like that that's what I've noticed is that the people who are the loudest and the most vocal about guns, they tend to not have any idea right. of the effects of it. You know? Yeah. And my family and I, we've been affected very personally from gun violence. Huh. Um and um it it affects you. It, it just changes yeah. you. It 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 just does. Yeah. I mean, my I don't I don't talk I don't well, I'll go ahead and tell you. But the um so my, my brother-in-law, you know, committed suicide mm. with a gun. And that was a serious turning point for me because I'd always shot guns and stuff like that before. But um, experiencing that, and it just did something to me. Wow. And I didn't realize it had done something to me until I started making this film. Mm. I think I had just, like, chalked it up to, like, all these other things. But the violence of that, it, it just took me to a place where I was like, I don't want to... I don't ever want to touch a gun again, wow. you know, and I don't oppose people like, well, like what you're saying, like hunting and all that stuff, even for people who want to have it for self-defense, that's fine. But for me, like I can't like it, yeah. it really, like I can't even be in the room with one. Yeah. Wow. And I was not that way before, but it, it, it seriously, I mean, it, it creates a, a certain amount of trauma, you yeah. know, when you go through it wow. personally, you that's know, crazy. Um, you know, another, it's funny you mentioned the Clint Eastwood thing, not to keep bringing it back to film, but the uh, Gran Torino, have you seen that one? That's another one that. Oh, so good. Yeah. That is one I of the I think most, he did that in that one too. That, 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 I mean, the, the, I don't want to, spoiler alert, you got to go. I mean, the, this is, again, maybe we can even get into a conversation about film because it's R rated, tons of swearing, there's racial, jo- I mean, it's all this stuff that's just, capturing real life right mm-hmm. but the, the moral power of that story is the more christian than almost any movie i've ever seen especially when it comes to 
true uh, without giving it away a christ <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop but watch no, the whole well, movie no it's okay it's... spoiler the movie's like 10 years old okay, okay, seen okay, it too okay. Bad. <laughs> all right you unpack <laughs> it because you understand film much more than i do so oh totally so he i mean he turns violence on itself yeah he I mean, it's perfect christ symbolism he takes in the violence and defeats the violence in a non-violence way and if you watch the film at the end of the film i believe i'm right in this he's on the ground crying like in a cross, in a cross. <laughs> and the, like, the innocent people are redeemed yeah. through that like he absorbs the i mean it's just it's the, he sets them free so so <laughs> so here's my because i uh, i you know, growing up in conservative Christianity, there's good films and bad films. Good films don't have any or hardly any swearing. Uh, they definitely don't have sex, nudity, witchcraft, d- drug scenes, which I never understood. I never watched a drug scene and said, oh, I want to go do that. But um, <laughs> and good, you know, bad films have all that, you know. And to me, it's like sometimes that that might be true. Um, but a film that is trying to capture real life that doesn't contain sin to me is very dishonest. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between a, I think a true Christian, I don't even like using that term, but a, a, a film that is actually promoting Christian values will contain sin, but it won't make sin compelling. It will show the, right. You know, whatever. So even in grand Torino, you know, the big swearing scenes or whatever, just to get really specific, are not actually it's like with the gang scenes and it's it's actually the if you watch closely it's kind of the bad people that are swearing or even some of the racial stuff it's like here's this crotchety old man and it's like well i don't be like that like it actually can all the sin that it contains is actually not compelling and then but then more than just the kind of containing sin it has a theme of just profound moral like christian themes that are woven throughout of it and I, i don't know like i it's just rare that I see Christians kind of make those distinctions between containing and making sin compelling and also other themes yeah. that just go beyond swearing and not swearing, you know? Have you thought, give us a little one-on-one on, on how to watch film as a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen very few films, very few good films where I have not been able to find Christ or some sort of redeeming message yeah. um, in that film. And I, and I think it's because it is written into our DNA. You know, I mean, there's some films that obviously they're just pure, you know, like action porn or whatever. Right. I mean, like they're not really up, but any film that's like genuinely and sincerely and the person behind it has talent, you're going to find some sort of huh. of Jesus in there at some point, you know. Is that more to of a general revelation? They're, they're tapping into a common kind of like moral impulse that all people have. And even the average person who won't spin it that way, they, they know how deep down how people are wired. They're longing for redemption and longing for goodness to prevail. Is that... How do you explain I that? I think so. I mean, like, like, I mean, you can take, you know, there's, man, I wish I had a list in front of me, but like, I mean, there's so many R-rated movies that deal with, they may have all kinds of stuff with them. And if you don't want to watch it, you can fast forward it. You know right. I mean? Like you just, you just skip through the parts that are going to bother you. But the, um, but the message is there. I mean, it's like the end of American beauty, right? And that's a terribly lewd movie. Like <laughs> I had to watch it in film school, but like in the end, this character makes like this sort of, right decision to protect this girl's innocence wow. you know and it's like the whole movie you're led up i mean this guy's terrible you know what i mean he's like i mean he is just in a terrible place in his life he has all these terrible desires and all this whatever but in the very end like he makes this decision 
to protect this girl, you know, and there's something redeeming about that yeah. moment, you know, um, you know, and, and that's just one that comes, comes to mind. But to me, the, I mean, you wanted me to talk about Christian movies. Like I cannot stand Christian movies. I mean, I think they're just propaganda, you know I mean? There's nothing real about it. Like facing the giants. I'm sorry. But like, if you're going to end your Christian film with the guy's wife gets pregnant and he gets a new truck and his uh, team wins a championship. I mean, it's just like how not Christian like is that? <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, you do all this and you get all these rewards on earth. You get the big shiny wow. new red truck. Like I saw that. I literally wanted to like rip uh, the screen down, you know? <laughs> um, and it's fine if people like, like that stuff, but it's very fake to me. Huh. It's not real life. I can't even have conversations. Like, it's like, if you want to get real with me, if we want to get real, like I'll talk real. Cause yeah. like, but I can't have these Christianese yeah. just conversations where it's just like, it, I just feel like I'm on a different planet yeah. and I'm not like, like trying to talk bad about anybody. Like if that's where people are, that's fine. Yeah. And like, like I totally get it. But when it comes to movies, <laughs> which is like <laughs> something that I love, yeah. it's like, man, keep the, keep the sermons in the pulpit and let movies be movies because you, all, all those are is just beefed up sermons yeah. on a soapbox preaching to the choir. You what know? do you think about, I mean, so I, I, uh, I, I mostly resonate with some of the anti-Christian movie, some of them, you know, I'll go out and watch it. I'm like, well, I wasn't that like, all right, there's still a lot of good stuff there and there's a lot of bad stuff in the other movies you like. Like, I don't want to make it so binary. That's from my vantage point. The one I did actually really like is, but so let me, a lot of Christian movies do make me cringe. I, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, that kind of like very almost works, almost it's almost like a prosperity gospel being built into yeah. it, which is to me more dangerous than just making a blatant non-Christian film. Um, right. What about, so I really did like, uh, I could only imagine. I think was the name of it. Did you watch that? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, I've heard it's good though. Well, and that's just a true story. So it's like they're not contriving. It's just yeah. I, I think it uh, was really good. It had a really the line between good and evil was blurred a little bit, and there wasn't like good people and bad people. There was a powerful theme of redemption. Um, it uh, yeah, I thought it was really. I really liked it for for Christian films as far as Christian films go. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the the unplanned movie just came out, right? Have you seen and, that? Like, or no? I haven't, but it's like I want to see it because, like, I'm interested in the story. Yeah. And I, my guess is, in real life, that story would be very, very engaging. Yeah. But it just seems like from the trailer, it's just kind of like another one of those, like, it's way too propagandish, yeah. you know. And I don't know, I haven't seen it, you know. Yeah. But it's just I've experienced so many Christian movies just be sort of. They're just not well made. It's like the filmmakers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like they're just they're they're trying to preach a sermon instead of telling a story. And it's like, yeah, don't do like just tell us like a real story. Like like the God's not dead thing. Oh my gosh. So like, you're not okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You probably have to cut all this. No, out. no, like, my, I, my, so my, I'm uh, not on a tangent, yeah. man. <laughs> like, well, I've I mean, only seen like, I saw the know, first one a long time ago. I haven't seen the second one, so I don't really have a strong opinion on that. But what about so with the propaganda piece? Isn't that kind of true of most films? I mean, think about like just the two that came to mind is like uh, Blood Diamond is propaganda. Um, mm -hmm. Great film, one of my favorites. Uh, and I actually agree with the propaganda. So I'm like, oh, I'm in. But it's, right. it's still clearly, you know, I never right. wanted to buy a diamond again or even eat chocolate or, you know. Um, uh, or what about, I didn't see this one, but um, The Shape of Water, from what I hear, is just 
about as ideologically driven as a film could possibly be on the other side of, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, that, not, I didn't like that. Okay. I didn't, I, I don't know why, like my wife liked it. I, I did not like it at all. I huh. could barely get through it. And I don't know why I just, something about it just like repulsed me. Huh. Like I was just very, very unappealing. Was it like the, very, having sex, very with, having sex with a fish part? Maybe that was the, <laughs> no. that part. Yeah. But like, I mean, just the whole style of it, I didn't care okay. about the characters. And I think that's it. It's like, you want to care about the characters. Like I need, I have to invest in a character. Okay. So when I feel like these characters are just like, like puppets, you know, they're just like mannequins up there and they don't feel real. They're mm -hmm. like, they're, they're solely for the purpose of the propaganda. Yeah. They're solely for the purpose. Like in God's not dead, he's solely for the purpose of like getting across this message that we, you know, like we got to have God on campus or whatever. I haven't seen that in a long time, but it's like, so the person doesn't feel real to me. You know, but you give me a movie that's like raw and edgy and I believe in the character and I can invest in that character, then I'm much more willing to like to watch it. And it's kind of like in a just in real life. Like, I mean, I'm I'm willing to invest in someone who's raw and edgy if they're real and I feel yeah. like I can connect with them rather than we're just spewing off like all the Christianese all day long. You know, like yeah. I can't yeah. invest in that because it doesn't feel real. And and to me, the whole thing about Jesus is that like he came into this mess. Hmm. He came into this nasty R-rated film yeah. to redeem it, yeah. you know? And he, I mean, he got his hands dirty. So like for me, when a filmmaker gets their hands dirty and like tries to like pull something good, like a good message out of a, like, even if it's like a terrible scenario, like I respect that. And I think to me, cause that's what Jesus does. Like I just, Jesus is the most non-fake, non-phony propaganda, you know, person that ever lived i mean he was raw and real and you know that's how i understand him um and i i feel bad now because i mean i know people enjoy those films and, <laughs> and if you do like yeah. totally cool like this is totally my opinion i think most people that opinion. listen to my podcast would probably resonate with your disdain for christian films almost categorically <laughs> 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 i i yeah i don't I've, to me to me it is sometimes when people come down to you on a Christian films, to me, it feels, well, again, it's just, I feel like the propaganda and fakeness is exists on the other side, you know, again, like a, the shape of water. Get, well, maybe I shouldn't use that as example, but I guess the difference so... is the filmmaking quality. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, for certainly. And, and that could like be it's good to look at and the acting and everything. Wouldn't that come down a lot to uh, just, I mean, obviously money and uh, Christian films aren't going to, make a lot of money or nearly as much as a box office hit or, or not. But they make, that's the crazy thing is that they make money. You know, it's okay. like, God's not dead made a ton of money. I mean, okay. it's like over a hundred million dollars, you know? And like, and the other thing is like, there's a, you know, get out. Did you see get out. I'm so that's been on my list for like a year and a half. Like, no, I haven't seen yeah. it. And I really want to see oh, it. Oh, it's so good. And yeah. it's, you know, they made it for $2 million. Are you serious? You know? Wow. Yeah. And it made like, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars, but you know, and that, you know, it can be done. Okay. Know, people make good movies on shoestring budgets all the time. What did it cost to make um, Napoleon Dynamite? Oh, like hundred dollars less than a million, maybe. <laughs> and it's wonderful. I mean, you know, it's so good. Like, Would you see that thing. as a? Is a high, not quality in that sense, but like, would you say that that is a very like a good film for what it was trying to do, or or just a terrible I film? Love that it. Had a... I love it. So what? What I mean, was I, it? Just I think it's magnificent. I I mean we. 
we, my family hardly goes to the day without quoting it to each other. Like it's the, the movie is intertwined, which is how we even relate to each other, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's yeah. But it's it, in that part of the country too. Well, right? my name's Preston and I live in Idaho. So yeah, the film is a yeah. special place in my heart. But <laughs> what's, here's what's, I don't understand the psychology of this. When we saw the film, which was actually really recently, we sat through it and it's like, we almost didn't finish it. We're like, uh, a couple of mm-hmm. times like, <laughs> and then we, right. th- then we sat there, you know, th- then after we watched it the next month, it's like the, the film in this weird way, just kept growing on us, growing on us, growing on us. And we kept quoting it, quoting it, quoting it. Then when we saw it the second time a month later, it was like, we were watching a completely different film. We're rolling on the ground, laughing and anticipating scenes. And <laughs> is that, is, what, what is that? And I, I know a lot of people say the same thing. Like the first thing you watch here, like, what, what is this? It's not even that funny, but then it just grows on you in some weird way. I don't know if it was designed that way or. <laughs> I think it's just so obscure and it's such a particular, it's like, you have to accept that film on its own terms. Yeah. Because okay. it does not fit any sort of like <laughs> paradigm that we're used to. Yeah. You know? And um, I think once you just go with it, you know, it's amazing. It's you know? amazing. It's <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it's just one of those jewels, you know? And, and I mean, there's a few films like that that I just love, but that is for me it was when he threw the wrestler out the school bus or whatever the little action figure yeah. i don't that just got me because up until then i'm like i don't know what i'm watching and then it just didn't then it had me yeah. you know and yeah i think i quoted it for like 10 years the oh only reason God. i haven't is because i haven't seen it long. i need to go back and watch it oh my gosh we oh hey how was your day at school i'll ask my daughter you know how was your day at school worst day of my life what do you think <laughs> I mean, just my favorite honest. is uh yeah 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 um so i have to say i think we're getting pretty serious or, you know the girlfriend line so i have to say we're getting pretty serious i you used to say that all the kip. time so my oldest daughter does an amazing kip she she'll speak really? kip all day long yeah we're just rolling that's so funny. oh that's so good LaFonda. yeah i love it yeah. man <laughs> Oh, hey, we got to wrap things up. Uh, I got to get, uh, dude. So let, give us some more specific concrete details about the documentary. How can people access it? Even how can maybe church leaders or anybody use this film as part of a discussion group? Because I know that's kind of an underlying desire is that people would yeah. use this as a churches would watch this and, and, and it would cultivate conversation. So yeah, how can we do that? Cool. So um, it'll be available um, Vimeo On Demand, April 20th. Okay. And then uh, people can rent it or buy it there. It's like seven ninety nine to buy or one ninety nine to rent. Um, and then if anybody wants to show it, I'm still working on my website. I got to go all that stuff, but I'm just going to put a, like a form up there where if you go to um, go to my website and I can send you that link for that. Um, you can go and like just say, "Hey, I'd like to show this film," and we'll just okay. try to. I'll just help set it up, you know. So, so Vimeo on the. I'm not gonna like. Yeah, Vimeo on demand, okay. and I'm not going to charge anybody if they want to if they want to um, show the film. You know, it's, there's not going to be like a screening fee or anything because my hope is for people to okay. take it and show it. You know, so cool. So it's beating guns. Vimeo on demand, uh, April 20th at launches. Would highly encourage you to check it out. Thanks so much, Rex, for being on the show, and God bless you and your work and your ministry, man. Thanks, man. All right, take care.